Hey everybody, Zach here. Before we get started with the podcast, I just want to let you know about our sponsor, Anchor. We're new to podcasting here at Salty Saints, and Anchor has made it so easy for us to get started. If you haven't heard about Anchor, it's the easiest way to make a podcast, so let me explain a little bit about it. There are creation tools that allow you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or your computer. Anchor will then distribute your podcast for you, so it can be heard on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and many more. You can make money from your podcast with no minimum listenership, and it's everything that you need to make a podcast in one place. The best part about Anchor, though, is that it's absolutely free. So if you, like us, want to get your word out there, you want to try your hand at podcasting, make sure that you download the free Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. Hey, thank you for listening to another episode of Salty Saints Podcast. My name is Zach, and I'm your host. And today I am sitting here with Tom Overton from the One Mission Society. He is part of a ministry called Hope 61. Tom, how you doing? Doing great. Thanks for having me on today, Zach. Hey, no problem, man. Uh, do you want to kind of start us off by letting us know a little bit about yourself? Awesome, yeah. I'm... Uh... I'm married to to Tanya. We celebrated 25 years uh, of marriage this year, so really excited about that. Um, we have the opportunity to work together in the ministry, so so God's really blessed us blessed us with that. We have uh, three children. Our oldest is Ellie. She's 19 and a sophomore at Purdue. Uh, our middle middle daughter is Holly, and she's a senior uh, in high school. And our youngest is Charlie. He's a freshman in high school, um, and. Uh, uh, while ministry takes up a lot of our time, we love to spend time with our kids and and enjoy uh, uh, just that family time. And we also, I also have the opportunity to serve as a chaplain um, in emergency services for a local fire fire department and also um, the uh, Johnson County Sheriff's Office. So really excited to do that as a way to to kind of do some ministry around home um, because most of my other ministry is international in scope. That's awesome, man. Um, do you want to kind of let us know? about i don't know what's the better place to start like what is oms what is the one mission society or should we go right into hope 61 well i think one mission society um is a really really important part of who we are you know oms started back in 1901 um planting churches developing seminary leaders um and has a over a hundred year um track record a hundred year history of creating uh, wonderful uh, gospel-based churches um, seminaries, all kinds of different great outreaches, and Hope 61 fits very, very well into that because we could not do uh, what we do with churches had OMS not gone before us and continues to do uh, planting churches around the world. Um, and so there's an important connection between OMS and Hope 61, and, and uh, we, uh, we're thankful uh, for our relationship with OMS and, and, uh, and grateful for the opportunity to work uh, within the part of a larger organization like One Mission Society. Okay. Um, so what, what is Hope 61? Well, Hope 61 is a human trafficking prevention ministry. Um, it's a little bit of a unique uh, way of looking at the issue of human trafficking. Most human trafficking organizations are working in rescue. They're working in aftercare, restoration. A lot of them are working in legislative capacities, trying to get stronger laws passed, um, working in the judicial system to make sure the perpetrators are are uh, are treated appropriately and given the sentences that they deserve and so forth. 
Um, but Hope 61 is, is unique in the sense that we are 100% focused on prevention. Um, we only do uh, trafficking prevention. We don't do uh, the other uh, types of responses. And that primarily um, comes about because we work with churches. And we think that churches, local churches, whether they're here in Greenwood, Indiana, or around the world, have a tremendous opportunity and a biblical responsibility to respond to issues of justice in their communities. But yet we've seen a, a pretty kind of bad track record or or uh, or, or less than stellar response um, from the churches. We, we've done a pretty good job of offloading some of those responsibilities onto other organizations. You know, we, we tend to say, well, that's a a problem that the police need to handle, or or that's a problem that our legislators need to take care of. Um, but I think the Bible's pretty clear um, in mandating that we have a response uh, to issues of injustice and and uh, um, and exploitation in our world. And so we think that the church has the most to say in the issue of human trafficking within the area of prevention. Um, and and we can talk more about how that works, but. Um, it really gives the church an opportunity to act significantly and powerfully uh, in a way that maybe the other types of responses um, don't give the church the same that that same opportunity. Absolutely, I I also think that that the church has a specific responsibility in talking about the value of human life, whereas a secular worldview just can't make those same claims. I mean, it can, but you're going to get varying answers. The Christian worldview is all rooted in one one common response to why is human life valuable. Absolutely. You know, and I, I think as we think of that, um, God creating each one of us um, in his image for a specific purpose because he loves us and wants to see us succeed— you know, there's not many things in the world that reduce that image of God, that, that personhood, that, that importance of human life, more than stripping the rights and the responsibilities and the abilities of someone and turning them into a commodity. That's really what human trafficking does. It takes, again, that God-given, beautiful, created image and turns it into something to be bought and sold. That, uh, that is a, uh, an incredible indictment um, against the value of life. Right. No, I, I absolutely agree. Uh, Michael Heiser, I don't know if you know him. He's, he's a really, really awesome uh, theologian. But he, uh, he refers to us as imagers. Like yeah. that's our like – it's our job, you know, to go be the image of God. And so that, that's really cool that you're equipping people to, to go live into that, you know, to, to try and do something about this. Well, and I think there's a lot of talk in the church about the value of human life. And, 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 the, and, and from a theological standpoint, it's easy to see that and it's easy to read scripture around that or listen to theologians. But when it comes to real practical applications, how, how appealing or how, how welcoming are we uh, to human life uh, in, in all different forms um, is a question I think the church uh, needs, to, needs to consider a little bit more than what they're doing now. Okay. Um, so what what are you guys doing? Like what what does your process look like? Yeah, so we're a uh, primarily a training ministry. We we go to churches. We have uh, work in 13 different countries. Um we've trained um just under 10,000 people uh so far uh, over the past 3 years. Um we uh would have cr- crossed that that 10,000 mark had uh, had COVID-19 happened or had not, had it not happened. Um but uh we go to churches when we train them in a, in a specific curriculum that identifies a, a, a process that they can go through uh, to prevent human trafficking in their um, in their own communities, 
um, you know, that, that's a really important piece um, because a community is different in Mumbai, India than it is in Greenwood, Indiana. Uh, but yet the local church is made up of people from that community. And so they have a unique um, understanding of the issues, how the issues relate to each other, what's happening in a, in a certain area. You know, they're, they're going to be much better equipped to identify um, opportunities for change than I am as an outsider going in. And so having each individual community affected by its local community church or a local community church provides us with an unbelievable culturally relevant solution that makes sense within the context of the current culture that actually uh, I, I hope this isn't going off topic at all but that sounds a lot like kind of how the u.s military comes along mm-hmm. with uh foreign nations that we're trying to help build up that you know we don't come in and, and try and change the way they see things we try and equip them to keep doing what they're doing but now to 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 work towards this goal. That's a, that's a really good analogy in the sense that we're providing these churches with information and help to see things in a slightly different way and then to see those things as they apply to the prevention of human trafficking instead of just um, blindly looking out and, and seeing, oh, boy, there's so many problems in my community, but what do I do um, to even begin to, to, to help reduce those. It, it, it gives them some legs to go on That's cool. um, some technic, tactics and techniques that, that, they can, um, that they can put into place immediately uh, after our training's over. Okay. Uh, you, you said originally that um, you know, you're, you're used to working kind of internationally with mm-hmm. this. Um, is this something we're dealing with here as well? Absolutely. You know, human trafficking touches every single community in every single country and every single continent. There is no no place in the world that um, is immune um, to exploitation um, of any kind, human trafficking specifically. Um, it is absolutely happening in the United States, and uh, um, we have also begun to look at training churches in the United States. New Hope Churches is one of the churches that we uh, have trained um, in the past couple of years, and we're looking to expand that ministry in the U.S. Um, because the same principles apply um, here in the Midwest of, of, of the U.S., the West Coast, the East Coast, as apply in some other places where you might think um, the, uh, the vulnerability is a little higher, places like Thailand, um, places in Asia, across uh, Middle Africa. Some of those places um, certainly have their challenges, and this issue is, is, uh, is explosive in those, in those places as well. But, but right here in our own communities, it's happening. Um, I know that when I think about human trafficking, the first thing that always comes to my mind is like the movie Taken. Mm-hmm. Like it's always like sex trafficking. Yep. But it goes deeper than that, right? I mean, there's a lot of different variables in human trafficking. It, it really does. Um, a couple of misconceptions about a movie like Taken. Um, first of all, there are examples of, of people that are kidnapped, um, taken, um, you know, a van pulls up, door opens, somebody gets pulled in, ba- van speeds away. Um, we just I actually just heard from a, a colleague in the Congo um, that they're now um, uh, taking people through taxis in Kinshasa, where actually using a pregnant woman um, in a taxi to to uh, to lure somebody in, make them feel safe getting in a taxi, sharing a ride with a pregnant woman, and then taking them somewhere. That does happen, uh, but it's a very very small percentage. Most um, above ninety percent of uh, of victims are lured or tricked into getting involved. It very, very rarely happens with an abduction. Um, secondly, you ask about, about sex trafficking, and sex trafficking is absolutely um, a part of the problem. We, we see people that are trafficked, uh, forced into 
all different kinds of, of sexual activity, whether that be prostitution, pornography, a number of different things. Um, but you're exactly right. The issue of trafficking is much deeper than that. Um, we have a number of people, a significant number of people around the world um, who are involved in labor trafficking, which would be similar to sex trafficking other than um, the work that they're doing is just not sexually related. It's working in uh, fishing boats, in migrant farms, in um, factories, warehouses, uh, brick factories, all these kinds of different things. Um, and so that labor trafficking and sex trafficking uh, are two of the areas. The other two areas are organ trafficking, which is a little different in the sense that people are being lured or tricked out of giving up an organ, uh, most likely their kidney, um, but yet we see corneas and we're starting to see um, organs that are being taken that, that result in the end of the life um, of, the, of the donor with, with hearts or lungs or, or something like that. Um, that's a major problem in, in many parts of the world. Um, and then lastly, child soldiering um, is also uh, considered human trafficking where young people specifically in Africa, but we're hearing about it with gang violence in Mexico and in, in Central America. We're hearing about it in the Middle East um, where people, um, young kids, 8, 9, uh, 10 years old, boys and girls, are being given a machine gun, trained how to use it for about 15 or 20 minutes, and then sent to the, line, sent to the front line of some tribal conflict or, or, uh, or civil unrest. And, and so that, uh, that, those are the four categories under which Hope 61 defines human trafficking. Um, other organizations might break out another um, an, another classification of, of of child begging or or uh, or, or begging rings, where you see um, in many places around the world, and you're beginning to see it here too, um, where little kids are out begging on the streets, um, and uh, and oftentimes that is controlled by a trafficker in the background, and they're they're working and, and bringing those profits back to the it's uh, like uh, Oliver Twist, yeah, right. to a certain extent, yeah. And so, um, so those are that's kind of the, the broader scope of human trafficking around the world, and and that's um, that's an area again that most people don't understand, or most people haven't been made aware of, because sex trafficking gets a lot of the headlines and a lot of the the press because it's um, it's it's uh, it's exciting to hear about a, a, a bust of, of something like that, or it's it just kind of fits more into our culture than than someone that's working on a fishing boat for for nothing as a slave, right. Right, that you're. I don't think your ears perk up in fear so much at, at hearing. You know, I'm going to get kidnapped and put to work, as much as you know to just have have that taken. You right, know? and 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 you know, in in reality, they're all intermixed. Kids that are forced into child soldiering are often sexually exploited as well. People that are are uh, in in sex trafficking are often forced to do other types of things besides just the sexual work. Um, and so, it, it it to a certain extent, it kind of all melts together um, in this big kind of cesspool of exploitation. Um, but there are, we, we try to keep those, those classifications there just to have a better understanding and be able to talk through it. Okay. Um, so how, how can churches here, how can Christians in America, um, how can we jump on board? Like, what can we do to help? Well, I think there's a couple things, and maybe I'll just go through the, the, the outline of our training um, to give uh, the listeners a little bit of an idea of what we do, um, and then they could either schedule us to have a training in their church or, or have us come and do a formal presentation or just implement some of these steps on their own. And the, the first thing in our training that we do um, is re- uh, raise awareness. We educate people. Many people um, have, a, have a somewhat understanding that human trafficking is happening, but they may not understand that there are four types. They may not understand... Um, that most people aren't abducted, that they're they're lured or tricked. Um, so we spend some time really educating uh, those that come to our training on what 
this issue is, what it is and what it's not. Um, uh, and, and that's that's an important thing as well. Um, so we, once we get that, that base level of education, then we begin to talk about you know, what's causing vulnerability? What's causing people in our community to be vulnerable? And there's a number of different things that could um, cause someone to be vulnerable. But, there, but there's five categories um, of, of people or, or five scenarios that generally make um, someone vulnerable, no matter what the culture. And that's a fascinating part of our world is that we may have different cultures and different languages and different, different geography and different weather and all that kind of thing. But, but these five types of, of people or these five groups of people tend to be vulnerable in every uh, situation. Those are the people that are uneducated, um, either um, academic education or um, what we in the United States would call street smarts, being aware of what's happening around you. Um, so that's one category. Those that have been abused, um, either sexually, physically, mentally, um, are at a higher likelihood of being um, uh, finding themselves in, in human trafficking. Those that are addicted, um, addicted to to, to alcohol or drugs, addicted to pornography. Um, addiction creates uh, a decision-making process that is not necessarily um, good uh, going forward, and, and so addictions play a part in that. Uh, poverty uh, creates a, uh, a, a massive um, vulnerability, um, but not maybe in the way that we think about it. I, I think there's, there's significant vulnerability that comes from financial poverty, um, people that don't have enough money to to uh, to take care of their daily needs, their their food and their shelter and their clothing um, are desperate, and desperation causes us to do uh, to do things that we might not do um, outside of that desperation. But I, I think one of the one of the biggest things that I've seen, no matter where I've I've been, is the poverty of community. Um, we are um, living more and more isolated from from each other, um, and as we as we isolate and and remove community from our daily lives. Um, we lose things like shared knowledge. Um, if if there's a big group of people together, um, everyone, everybody in that group that ha- has a subset of knowledge, everyone doesn't have to know everything that the other person knows, and so we we can share knowledge and 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 you know take advantage of of you know more knowledge than than we have on our own. It's also simple protection. Um, you know, my my daughter works at a grocery store uh, after school, and if she works after after dark and she's getting off, you know, they don't let her leave the grocery store to walk to her car by herself. They, they want her to have someone around her. That's, that's community protection. Um, and then also outside of community, we lose a lot of accountability. Um, we don't have anyone telling us, hey, I don't think that what you're doing is right, or I think that maybe you should rethink that. Um, and so once we begin to live outside of, of community, we run the risk of becoming incredibly vulnerable um, to bad things happening to us. Um, I, I think <clears throat> that's a, a significant issue with the pandemic right now. Um, we've been driven into our own homes. We've been driven away from um, situations where groups are coming together and meeting easily, um, and uh, and it's causing us to have a lot of extra vulnerability because of of the lack of community. Um, so I, I think there's there's tremendous value in in uh, in kind of restarting church as a true community, not just something where we come together once a week, we worship together, and then we go home or we go to lunch, and then we go home and, and go about our business and don't see those people until uh, next Sunday. I think there's tremendous value in in looking at the church as a living and breathing community that we 
that we do life together. We enjoy each other. We learn from each other. We spend time together. Um, I think there's tremendous value uh, that the church can provide in, uh, in in that particular scenario. And I think that that is a huge missing component from much of Western culture's church. I think most of us are guilty of uh, of letting go of that over the years. You know, absolutely, and and, and that that creates. Um, a number of different problems, not only from the community-based vulnerability that we see to something like human trafficking, but but even our our, our depth of spirituality, even the the way that, that that our that our faith drives our daily decisions and the things that we do outside of that that accountability group, outside of that that uh, that group of people, we begin to to compartmentalize our faith into a into a certain time frame. It's a calendar event. Instead of instead right. of a way of life, and so I think there's there's tremendous danger in that, and helping people that come to Hope sixty one training to 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 see church in a different way, um, to see church in a in a in a more community minded way um, is a significant first step. Um, because honestly, Zach, if you're struggling with something and 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 you're starting to to go down a bad path that could lead to vulnerability to something, and I don't have a relationship with you. I just see you on Sunday morning and I say, Hey Zach, how are you doing? And you say, I'm fine. Good, good day today. Have a good one. And, and we pass each other in the hallway at, at, at church, uh, between, between Sunday school and, and, and worship. Um, I'd never have the opportunity to, to really see into what's really dealing, uh, or what's going on in your mind. Um, where I may be able to to provide help or assistance or a shoulder to cry on or just a person to talk to or whatever we we miss that unless we're willing to kind of get dirty and get into relationship with people um, we uh, we run a significant risk of that compartmentalized Western mentality faith absolutely I, I think even within our own homes the, like think think about it like back um, <clears throat> you read about the the early church you know those people would have most likely been living in a a one bedroom home, you know, like a, a one room, one communal room. And now, I mean, how many walls do we put between us and the people living in the same house as us? Absolutely. It's, it's symbolic almost. Yeah. You know? you know, funny, funny story about that. We, we have a rule in our house that, uh, that you can't have electronics in your bedroom uh, for our, for our kids. Um, and so our, our senior in high school daughter came to us uh, a month or so ago and said, mom, dad, I, I'm a senior in high school. Can, you know, I, I, I've, I've done nothing to, to, uh, to, to make you not trust me, um, would there be a way that I could have uh, my phone in my, in my bedroom to use as an alarm clock and to wh- whatever I want to do in my room? And it was a really tough decision because we trust her completely, um, but we really like if she's going to be on her phone or, or chatting with her friends or whatever, that she's out in the family room with us. You know, we can at least, even if we're not all watching the television program or, or not, or, or, or we're all doing the, doing the work that we're doing or whatever, at least we're together. Right. Um, and and that, that was, uh, you know, your point is, is very well taken. We spend a lot of time by ourselves behind our bedroom walls or, 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 or separated even from our nuclear family, which is a problem. Yeah, yeah. Um, so Hope 61, mm-hmm. uh, we were talking about the name a little bit before we got started here. You want to let everybody know kind of where that comes from? Yeah, so Hope 61 is a, is a combination of the eternal hope that Jesus Christ offers to, to all those that will turn and, and, uh, and accept him as their Savior. And then the 61 is a scripture reference, Isaiah 61. Uh, it talks about um, the... the 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 purpose of, of of God coming to free the captives to 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 f- provide um, justice for those that have been oppressed um, and the really interesting thing about that verse um, is that in in Isaiah 
the prophet is 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 reflecting on the captivity of the Israelite people, kind of the physical bondage that they were in uh, when they were in exile. Um, and then that that those same words come back. Jesus uses those words in Luke four uh, when he opens his public ministry. Um, but the object of that of that captivity has changed um, from from physical bondage in the exile to the bondage of sin. Um, and Jesus is coming to 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 release us from the bondage of sin. And if you really want to get down to the granular um, level, human trafficking exists because sin exists. Um, without sin, um, human trafficking can't exist. It, it exists on, on the sins of, of, of pride and power and lust. Um, and, and if we can remove that sin uh, from, from people's hearts, we can't remove that, obviously, but if we can introduce them to a, right. a, a relationship with Christ and the power of the Holy Spirit to transform their heart, um, we can kind of eradicate human trafficking without even passing another law or or, or, right. or creating another rule. It simply just becomes something that's inconsistent with who we are um, as as believers, as, as transformed um, believers in Christ. And so that's the really interesting thing about that passage is that that, that was what was once physical bondage um, has now kind of been been manifest as as sinful captivity that Jesus allows us to be you know redeemed from and and uh, and released from. I think that's really cool. Um, that this isn't just a like some you know twelve step program or or there, there's some there's some very particular oh well if we do this then that'll that'll fix everything i mean essentially what you guys are doing is you're just going and making disciples you're you're going and spreading the word because that's what changes hearts you're you're exactly right we 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 have a little bit more structure um than just that we we talk about in our trainings we talk about um you know the 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 education part and then the vulnerability who's vulnerable um, then we get to kind of how we do something, what we do. Uh, and I think this is a really important lesson for all of us that you know we all have gifts and talents and abilities. And fundamentally, discipleship, being a disciple, living out your faith, is really nothing more than than giving all of your talents, gifts, and abilities to God's purposes. And so if we can use our gifts and talents to help someone with their vulnerability, maybe they're maybe they're an addict and they need someone, uh, to, to help them, um, you know, and, and oftentimes some of our greatest challenges and struggles end up being the things that God can use the most. We have stories from all over the world where, where past addicts that have been redeemed by God are, are going and, and, and ministering to people and saying, hey, you know, three years ago, four years ago, I was right where you are. But then I met this guy, Jesus. I started going to this church, and now here, here I am. There's hope for you. You know that's a much stronger message than me. I've got plenty of struggles in my life, certainly, but I've, I've never been addicted to drugs or alcohol. That 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 testimony of that person who's gone, who's walked that road, is extremely powerful in creating change. Um, we have other people um, in in uh, in Kampala, Uganda. We have a, a wood shop that we don't have it. It was somebody that came to a, a Hope sixty one training that said, "Hey, there are a bunch of kids in my neighborhood that are on the wrong track. They're going to be." Just criminals or are they're, they're dropped out of school. They're not doing anything. Um, I wonder if I could teach them how to how to do woodworking and give them a job. Um, and so he opened this this little shop uh, in the on the corner. I mean, the, the it's shop's not a whole lot bigger than this desk that we're talking to right now. Just a small little four by four shop on the corner of a, of a Ugandan street. And they're they're making bowls and they're making beds and they're making all these different things. 
all the while sharing the love of Christ with each other and then also with those that come to buy the 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 the, uh, the goods and so forth. And so really that's that's the message of Hope 61 is that 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 you have gifts and talents. Everyone does. Um, God doesn't make any of us talentless or 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 he he provides different gifts. Some of us are gifted musically, some of us are gifted artistically, some of us are gifted athletically, some of our us are gifted intellectually or or whatever it might be, fine motor skills, large motor skills, whatever it might be. The whole point I think of discipleship, and this is what we teach in Hope Sixty One, is is let's identify people who could benefit from our skills and talents and abilities, and then let's intentionally go to them and build relationships um, to help them with their material vulnerability, and then grab a hold of their hand and bring them back into the church where they can be introduced to Christ, have the opportunity to accept Him as their Savior, and allow the Holy Spirit to work in their lives, and then go back and replicate the same thing with others. That's really the heart of Hope 61. Now, I mean, you you and I didn't, we didn't really, we didn't know each other until 15 <laughs> minutes or what, 25 minutes ago, you know. Um, but I definitely think that this is a, a God thing because this is, this is exactly kind of the new motto we've sort of taken on with this new sermon series here at New okay. Hope is go be Jesus in every corner of your culture. Yeah. Go, go use your gifts. Go be Jesus where you are you know, and that's exactly what you guys are are talking about right now, and that's awesome. Absolutely, and and the thing the thing that, that that's it's hard, I guess. You know, we we don't. This isn't a magic bullet. We like you said earlier, it's it, it's there. There's no kind of answer that if 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 we do this today, human trafficking stops tomorrow. Um, one of the one of the biggest challenges that we have in our ministry, and and that is in kind of response to the sermon series that it sounds like the church is is in the middle of, is this stuff takes time. It takes a lot of time, and it takes a lot of it takes a lot of energy, um, and it takes a lot of willingness to be to, to kind of get down in other people's mess. Um, relationships aren't easy. Um, hurt people, vulnerable people, aren't you know just uh, waiting on the corner or waiting in in the Starbucks to share their life story with you. We have to invest in people. We have to take time um, to to. Uh, to get to know them in a way where they're comfortable having hard conversations with us, where they're, where they're, you know, I, I'm, I'm a pastor and a, and a missionary. And yet I only have five or six, seven people in my life that I could really share my deepest heart with. Um, that's a problem. Um, and, and if we're, if we're looking for something that we can do today, that's going to, to, uh, to significantly change things tomorrow. Hope 61's not that. But but if we are willing, as Jesus was, as as you know, story after story in Scripture reminds us, uh, the early church fathers remind us that 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 taking the time to get to know people, to live into them, to 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 be um, open to to taking on their mess, we have the opportunity to change people's lives, um, and, and that's that's a long term process. So that's that's a struggle that we have in in our soundbite society. Where we want a, we want a quick answer, we want a silver bullet. Um, what we're offering at Hope sixty one, what we're teaching, um, is is not that. But we think over time, that transformation can really happen, and 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 we can put it into human trafficking. Absolutely, I, I think you're right. We're, we're very much an instant gratification culture, and uh, every part of our lives would be so much better if we could just put in the effort for the long term goal. You know. Um, I'm curious. Um, you said you, so. You've gone overseas yourself quite a bit yeah. with this, or mm-hmm. um, 
Is there anything that's just stuck with you that you've seen? I mean, that, that you feel people listening to this should hear? I mean, uh, any instances that, that really just affected you or changed the way you saw things? Um, I could I could probably take uh, the next seven or eight podcasts uh, to, <laughs> of time to, to share the stories that have impacted me around the world. You know, you, you oftentimes hear the old adage that, you know, you, you go to serve someone or you go to, to do some ministry somewhere and you end up getting ministered to much, much more than you ever did um, any ministry. Um, and, and I'm a pretty... Uh, um, a pretty walking example of that. I, I, I see that all. I, maybe two stories I could share real quickly. My first um, was before I was a missionary. I, I went on a short-term trip um, with uh, with one mission society, a, a part of one mission society called Men for Missions, and, and our church was was doing a mission trip down to, to uh, Port-au-Prince, Haiti, to, to build a house. And I was a credit union executive. I was Missions was the farthest thing from my mind. Any kind of vocational ministry was not on my mind, and I I went um, honestly to, to Haiti to kind of check that Christian box. You know, I had we were we were active members of the church. We were in a life group. We started leading a life group. My wife and I, um, and and I felt like that was the next step. I've got to go get this international experience, this Christian mission trip out of the way. Um, and so I went to Haiti, and um, the first couple days I was there, um, I, I just I, I kept praying to God. I just kept praying, you know. Why can't these kids live on my cul-de-sac? Why can't these people have what I have? You know, what, what did I do to deserve what I had? And I was, I was just really upset at, at, at how difficult their life seemed and how unfair it seemed compared to mine. And, uh, and as I was going to sleep one night in the, in the little villa we were staying in, God spoke to me more clearly than I've ever been spoken to by God before. And he said, he said, Tom, you you know, these people don't need what you have. You need what they have. Um, and after I spent some time with them, getting to know some of the Haitians that we were working with, went to a worship service or two uh, down there, I realized they had a completely different understanding of the sufficiency of Christ than I could ever imagine as a as an American citizen with a nice house and cars and, and all these other things. We don't need those things. We need we need a relationship with God, and everything else will take care of itself. There, I, I've never met more content and happy people than I met in Haiti in the midst of utter chaos and destruction. Um, that was a real turning point for me in in really the development of Hope sixty one, because I, I realized that in the midst of, of of having nothing of what I perceived as value, they were full of gifts and talents and abilities, resources that had been given had been given to them by God, and they were unbelievably grateful uh, for those gifts and using those gifts to help others. Um, so that was that was a tremendous opportunity. Just a, a quick Hope 61 story. Um, there was a, a, a woman uh, in, uh, in a, a country in Africa who was on her way uh, to the passport office um, to get a passport to go on a job opportunity that she had been offered in another country in the, in the Middle East. Um, she was, we were doing a Hope 61 training in a church. Her pastor was at the, ch- at the church in that training and she was spending that day going to get a passport so she could respond to this, this, uh, this job advertisement of a, of a job in another country, which is a, which is a very common trick of traffickers. They'll offer someone a job. If you'll go to Dubai, I can get you a job in a, in a hotel making a lot of money and, and those kind of things. Um, and this woman was on her way. Um, to, uh, to to get that passport so she could go. And her pastor came to our training. We were talking about some of these things in the awareness and education part of our training. 
and uh, and he went to her as soon as the training was over. He went back to his village, and and he went to her and he said, "I think what you're what you're doing is going to get you into trouble." And of course, she was floored. She was she was excited about this job opportunity, and um, he said, I, "I need to ask you some questions." And so, through a, 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 some time with her and trying to understand and and asking her some questions. He, he realized that she was getting ready to walk right into a situation of human trafficking, and, and that she would um, she would uh, unknowingly go with this with this group who was going to end up exploiting her and using her as a as a human trafficking victim as a slave. And so he was able to talk her out of that. They 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 got that worked out that she didn't go, um, and uh, and I had the opportunity to sit with her um, the next time I was in in Uganda. Um, we went to visit her, and I, I sat on a, a little chair on a dirt floor church with her, and she, she just looked at us, and she said, because you told my pastor about human trafficking, I'm here today. And she said, all I want to do now is tell other people about this problem, and I want to share the gospel, and I want to tell them that God loves them, even if they're poor, even if, they, even if they're, they're, they're struggling in Uganda, God still loves them, and they're still valuable to him. Um, th- to, to hear her say that, um, to me was, was one of the most important turning points in my life because um, God allowed, allowed me to see um, kind of how he was working um, and, and how he was using that pastor in her life. Um, that, that church has grown by about 300 or 400% um, since that time because this lady is going out and inviting everyone to come to church. And so just through the pastor attending that, that training, we're seeing uh, lives transformed and lives changed. And so that's... Um, that just sticks with me as, as one of those, those great opportunities that God's given me the, the, uh, the, the blessing uh, to be a, a small part of. That's beautiful, man. That's awesome. Um, I, I think we covered quite a bit, right? <laughs> um, is there anything else, I mean, you'd like to leave us with? I mean, we're kind of wrapping it up probably. Anything to leave us with? Well, you know, I, I think I just, uh, I'd like to encourage everyone, um, that, that are that are listening that 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 have a relationship with Christ and are engaged with the local church to to just just remind them um, that that they have gifts and talents they have abilities to change things it's not easy um, we would love um, the opportunity to come to 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 churches if there are people listening that would would like to have us at churches we can do this training um, with with churches um, but most importantly I I think um, the message of Hope sixty one is that we all have a part to play. Um, we all have differences. We all have have similarities, but we all have a part to play. And if we'll if we'll work together and we all do our part, um, then we can really change um, the course of history. We can um, we can eliminate human trafficking. And people look at me when I say that, and they think, you know, all right, you know, you're just pie in the sky. We're never going to eliminate poverty. We're never going to eliminate. And, and, and my response is, you know, the problem of human trafficking is, is massive. I mean, 40 million people are estimated to be living in slavery in our world today. Um, but I, I just respond that, that my God is bigger than any problem that we have on this world uh, and, or on this earth. And if, if the church will stand up and be the church, what could we do? What, what difference could we make if, if the, the 100 million um, Christians around the world and, and, and the, the, the tens of thousands, hundreds of thousands of churches uh, would stand up in their communities and fight for what we talked about at the beginning, the, the value of life, the right um, to live. Um, I, I think there's tremendous opportunity. And so more than anything, I'd just like to encourage everyone to assess your gifts and talents. How can you help? Um, how could you do something for someone who's vulnerable today? Um, 
or maybe somebody's listing is vulnerable. Maybe, maybe they are really struggling. Um, and if if they are, you know, find a find a person at church, find a person um, in your in your sphere that you can talk to, and and uh, and let down those walls a little bit, and let someone help you. Okay. Um, how how could people reach your organization if they wanted to do that? Easiest way to reach us is on the website, uh, hope61.org. Um, it's a pretty uh, pretty easy website. You can get all the information that you need there. Um, you can schedule a training right there on the website. Or if you'd like to talk to me or anybody that's on the Hope 61 staff, we'd uh, our phone numbers are there. You can reach us that way. Um, we're, uh, we're excited to hear from, from anyone with, with questions, thoughts. Um, we always need uh, more people. Um, so if, if someone's listening to this and, and, and feels a special calling to, to find out more and, and potentially join our team, we would love to have that conversation with them as well. Excellent. Well, thank you uh, for being on here, Tom. It's been good. Thank you very much for having me. No problem. Well, guys, thank you for listening to this episode. Uh, if you uh, support what we're doing, please uh, leave us a comment. Uh, check us out on anchor.com on anywhere where there are podcasts. I mean, you are listening to us right now, so I'm sure you found us already. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, guys, stay salty. Thanks so much. Hi, I'm Beckett Cook, host of The Beckett Cook Show. I lived as a gay man in Hollywood for many, many years until I had a radical encounter with Jesus 13 years ago. Since then, I've gotten my master's degree in seminary and published a book called A Change of Affection. On my podcast, The Beckett Cook Show, I sit down with fascinating Christian scholars and thinkers to address the lies of the culture and bring the biblical truth to bear on those lies. To start listening now, go to lifeaudio.com or search for The Becca Cook Show on your favorite podcasting platform.